0: Hello, everyone,
1: and welcome to another episode of Just Conversations with Jamal and Nate. I'm Jamal Adams, and I'm Nate Sesums. Welcome back, and thank you, as always, for joining us. For those of us, for those of you who might be new to the space, Just Conversations
0: is a podcast that's positioned at the nexus of faith and all matters pertaining to race, justice, and Catholic education. We highlight historical and current happenings in the realm of diversity, equity, inclusion and anti-racism, while focusing on solutions, systems changes, and the amplification of voices working
1: to create a more just and egalitarian society for all. Each episode, we engage in authentic yet provocative dialogue seasoned with critical perspectives, scholarship, and life experiences. We also conduct interviews and moderate panel discussions featuring campus and community leaders, interrogate issues related to mission identity, and answer live questions from listeners. Ultimately, we aim to increase levels of awareness while normalizing conversations on all forms of oppression and marginalization. We ascribe to the idea that there's room for everybody in the
0: movement. So no matter how much you know or don't know, we invite you to engage with us. After all, these are just conversations. And as a reminder, we'd love to hear from you. So please take a moment, send us a note, at Just Conversations at IgnatianSolidarity.net. Again, that's just conversations at IgnatianSolidarity.net. My man Nate, how we doing, bro?
1: What what is up? I'm good. Uh I am moving around, staying busy, uh getting things done. How about you? I I think that's the time of the year, right?
0: It's springtime and, and we're cleaning up. And for those of us in academia uh, maybe even thinking about winding down to the end of the semester. But I'm so excited today um, about our opportunity um, in so many ways. Um, a first um, and, and a glorious first, right? We're, we're going to um, have our first guest here that we're going to introduce here in a moment. Um, the idea that we're moving into like our eighth episode. I feel like we've actually got um, some uh, foundation uh, to our work. Um, and, uh, and as I said, right, spring is a coming, so the weather's getting a little bit better. Um, and, uh, I would even say, um, um, COVID and, and the pandemic, uh, and its grips on, on the way that we live seem to be easing a little bit around the country. People aren't as sick. And so, um, there's, uh, there's optimism in the air for a great spring and a great summer. So with that, uh, as I said, our very first guest, I'd love uh, for our listeners to um, um, introduce you all to a woman who um, has meant so much to me personally, um, and uh, and someone that I introduced to Nate um, as I got going, um, and that is, uh, I guess, Dr. Make sure I, I, I use the right <laughs> salutation, uh, um uh, wanted to to make sure that I introduced Dr. to introduce Dr. Deborah to to this conversation today. Deborah, how are you doing today?
2: I'm fantastic, and thank you so much for for the invitation. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Uh, well, we are we are beyond um, excited about Absolutely. having you be a part of, uh, of this conversation and really um, bring the tremendous amount of wisdom to to our show, and so. Um, Just so on background for our listeners, uh, Dr. Richardson Phillips is um, over 20 years in this diversity, equity, and inclusion space. Um, She currently serves as the vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion at St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland. Shout out to to St. Ignatius, whose boys' basketball team is playing for a state championship this upcoming weekend. Yes. Uh, Currently, she's responsible for all DEI strategic planning and cultural competence on campus. She also has... Um, as the president of a consulting business known as Reconcile DEI. The thing that I think is so wonderful about Deborah and what she's meant so much to me is that her breadth of experience has been something that I have leaned on since our very first introduction. She has served um, in many roles in this space, including being Assistant Professor of Human Development and Associate Dean of Multicultural Affairs at Messiah College. A director of Multicultural affairs at Case Western Reserve University uh, district diversity um, I'm serious district director of diversity and inclusion and title 9 coordinator at Kahunga uh, Community College I might have butchered that yeah. um, and then diversity and inclusion consultant at first energy on the corporate side um, the uh, from an academic standpoint she owns uh, holds. excuse me, uh, Doctor of Philosophy in Human Development and Master of Public Administration from the University of Delaware, um, a Bachelor of Arts from Wisdom salem State University. So shout out to the HBCUs that,
1: HBCUs.
0: that me and, and uh, Nate had a great conversation about during our Black History Month um, episode. Uh, she has um, a H Human Resources Certificate. Um, um, and, um, I have heard many times having talked to her, she is a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta sorority, um, and serves in many different capacities in the greater Cleveland area, uh, in terms of promoting historically black colleges and universities. Um, um what I have also loved about Deb Royal is how she has so generously shared with me her journey, um, as, as a, as a member of her family, um, married to her husband, Kurt. Uh, two proud parents of Nathan and Monet. I've had the great pleasure of meeting Nathan, so another Nathan um, to add to my collection. Um, um, and I think, uh, I believe he's still out here in SoCal. Um, and then I'll just say the the, the thing that um, that I'll end with in terms of an introduction was that uh, um, Deborah and I share a good friend, mm-hmm. Roger Stewart, um, who upon Deborah joining St. Ignatius called me immediately and said, oh my God you have to meet um, this woman um, who we're bringing in to do our DEI work. Um, the word he used was amazing, um, and I would almost argue that he uh, he shortchanged that role. Um, our relationship, um, our camaraderie, um, her ability to synthesize uh, difficult concepts and make them easy has been something that has just been a wonderful addition to my life and my professional career, um, and so I couldn't think of a better first person. And particularly in this month of March, in which we want to celebrate uh, women um, to the fullest, uh, it's so uh, it's my great pleasure to bring Deborah Hall to our podcast. So again, welcome.
2: Thank
1: you, thank you, Nate. Why don't you go ahead and get us started? I would definitely do that, and, and just, you know, Jamal was was taking up all the time with the intro. I was going to share some love, too. I was like, bro, can I get in on it? No, I'm joking. Uh, uh, Dr. Deborah Richardson Phillips, I, I am uh, honored, as Jamal, is to have you in the space. Um, I uh, believe I met you about a year ago, and I was participating on a call with some DI practitioners uh, that were primarily based at secondary institutions and uh, the way you spoke so forcefully and so um, clearly about uh, you know your understanding of DI work, what needed to be done, uh, and that doing this work was not an option—that that it clearly aligned with uh, with uh, our our Catholic school's missions and and values—and uh, being in uh, the space as a DI practitioner, that was just so. Uh, I mean, I was celebrating it. I was sitting back going, yes, yes, yes. And you know, Dr. Sessum, do you have anything to say? Nope, Deborah. Dr. Deborah, I'll just said it all right there. Like, <laughs> let her, she's got it. So, uh, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all the work you do. And, and Jamal, um, you know, very eloquently, you know, shared about your background, but I want to put the mic in your hands and let you uh, share with us about your journey. How did you, um, you know, get to this point in your career? You know, did you specifically train for a position in DEI? How, how did all this happen for you?
2: Sure. So I, I want to start by saying I'm absolutely humbled uh, to be here, to be asked to be your first guest. And um, I appreciate the opportunity to, to share kind of my perspective, and it is just one perspective on, on how you can effectively do this work in both a faith-based, and maybe even in a secular space, because of the, the non-traditional journey that, I, that I've, I've taken. And certainly, this is, this is God's direction, right? Because when I started out, this is not at all uh, where I plan to be. So I'm humbled to, to be here and to be in conversation with the two of you. And I, I just want to shout out AJ and ISN. AJ's not on mic, but working just as hard. So I, I appreciate uh, this opportunity to be here. Yeah, my, my journal, my journey hasn't really been a traditional one. Like I didn't, Mm -hmm. when I was in undergraduate school at Winston-Salem and playing basketball and, 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 and pledging Delta and doing all that great stuff you do at at an HBCU, I certainly never envisioned that I would be here. And so I think that God just kind of dropped some things in my path, kind of unknowingly, you know, in, in, for me, and I just kind of, Followed the breadcrumbs, kind of like Hansel and Gretel, and kind of, you know, ended up here. So I started, you know, in undergraduate school, and I was, you know, you all know, I mean, Jamal can tell you, like, I love to talk. So this, <laughs> this is
1: absolutely perfect.
2: We, we got the so,
1: right guest then. You, you, yeah, you, you, you hey, man, this might go,
2: you might, you might have to say cut it off. <laughs> uh, gotta I'm going to do passionate. part one and a part I'm, two I'm, on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm passionate about, about what I do. I've been so blessed in my life. And so I was going to law school. And, you know, uh, had a, a racial situation that really kind of rocked me at the core as I was preparing for the, the LSAT and, and, and where I was taking the exam, you know, at the proctors walking up and down the aisles and, and giving out, you know, testing material. And there was a woman sitting, a white woman sitting next to me who didn't score well the first time. And she recalled me being there. A prior testing date because we were asked to move our cars out of this fire lane at the break so as we're having this exchange I said oh you know you know back in the old days when the score was you know the, <laughs> the LSAT the score was 32 right I, I scored a 26 or 27 and I really wanted to go to Wake Forest and And so I'm, you know, I'm at this site and I'm, I'm taking the exam. And and so what this woman said to me in front of this crowded room, very loudly is, Oh, you know, you wasted your money taking the exam a second time because they let African-American in African-Americans in with low scores. Mm. And that just like, that rocked me. Right. Like you don't even expect me to be as intelligent. And that really is kind of, what started kind of this journey. No one had ever explicitly said to me, we don't expect expect blacks to be as intelligent. And that that was that mm-hmm. was devastating. I went home, said to my parents, I, I don't want to go to law school. I, I don't want to do that. And so I took a different path and, you know, ended up getting a master's in public a- administration and a and a doctorate in human development. And okay. during my studies for my doctorate, had a friend visiting, we're horseback riding, she twists her knee. And she ends up, uh, we end up in the emergency room. And as we are there, there's a woman on the gurney right next to us. And she's obviously been in an abusive situation. And Mm. the nurse is really, you know, kind of berating her. He's going to kill you. And she's going on and on and on. And I was so upset about that, that the next day I reached out to the administrative team at the hospital to to voice my concern about the revictimization of this woman. And then they said, you know, would you be And at that point? I'm in my doctoral program, not quite sure kind of the direction I'm going to go. And they said, would you like to be a part of, you know, do you understand domestic violence? And I said, no. And they they said, would you like to come in and talk to a nurse? And I did that. That landed me um, as a volunteer in a battered women's shelter. And then one day I'm at work and there's a woman who needs to go to court didn't have a court advocate. And they said, "Deborah, would you mind going with her? And I was like, Hey, I'm trying to stay away from the law. I don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> so I go and I sit there and I watch woman of color after woman of color be threatened with taking her children away and just, you know, just really attacking her humanity in that space, her lack of understanding of the court system. and And then I see white women come up who are also in abusive situations and it's minimized right there's 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 Mm -hmm. some reason you know some catalyst for this like this is not the nature of this white man right but clearly it's what you expected of people of color and i am like i'm totally blown away and at that moment i said you know this is what i want to do i I, i'm interested in culture i'm interested Mm -hmm. in you know the way it influences our engagement with the world and thus how the world then it, it, it receives that that experience from us. So that started it and um, had a great opportunity to go to Messiah College. I was really blessed there. Um, Dr. Sawatsky and Dr. Kim Phipps really saw something in me that I didn't see in myself in that moment. Not very diverse um, when I was there. And hopefully they are better now. But there was this opportunity to, to <laughs> they they parlayed a position for me so that I could go into administration and have some impact. And that that's really where it started for me. And from there it's just been, you know, I, I left there and, and I was I, I was blessed to work at Case. And, you know, I, I worked there and, and I woke up, guys, like eight years into this work. At case and and Jamal, I don't know how I've been doing this work for twenty years when I'm holding at twenty nine. I'm holding at twenty nine, right? So I, I know, well, you know, I, well, you know, your genius, black genius happened. is real. But but I was in that moment eight years and I was exhausted. And I said, students are transient, mm. and so you know, at sixty thousand, sixty five thousand dollars a year you hope those jokers graduate, right? So you bring in a class and you work with them and you get them right you know, on the brink of understanding and then they graduate and you start over. And then you start over. And I said, hey, you know what? I'm getting ready to be 21. <laughs> I, I am absolutely too old for this mess. And I said, in that moment, students impact culture. Your faculty and your staff are the people who, ch- who said it. And so I need a deeper understanding. And so I went out and mm-hmm. I got a, a PHR a certification in human resources so that I could work in that space. And that was an, an excellent decision because that sent me to Cuyahoga community college where I was able to be there. DEI and title nine person, which brought me back to my, my, um, my family crisis and, and, and kind of interventionist work. I was there. And then, um, Another another woman, uh, Dr. Jerry Sue Thornton, was sitting on the board at uh, First Energy. and she recognized the work that I was doing at at c And so she you know suggested that as they were kind of forming, kind of putting the the bones together of their work that they reach out to me. And during a visit, they said, "Hey, we've got a consulting position." and I'd been approached before. And, you know, in that moment I said, this is, this is, I'm, I'm not a corporate kind of girl. Like, I don't, I don't know that I can swim in that water. And after some conversations with them and, and some conversations around their commitment, I want to shout out, you know, Charlie Lasky, who was phenomenal and, um, you know, in, in that space, great support for me. Um, I, I, You know, we, we spoke and I said, yes, you know, I I, I want to do this. And so I, I spent four amazing years there helping them create some foundation for their commitment to employees and community. And then a, a headhunter reached out and said, you know, why don't you consider this position? And, you know, I'm like. Man, that's going out the world backwards. Like, who goes from corporate America to a high school, right? So I'm not from Cleveland. So <laughs> certainly I didn't understand the gravity of the invitation initially. So the only thing I knew about uh, St. Ignatius is my kids graduated from Shaker Heights. And, and thanks for shouting out Nathan and Monet. They really are why I do this work. My children, our children deserve a better a better world. Uh, but all I know about St. Ignatius is they always beat our basketball and football team. That's all I knew. Um and then I, I went over and I started to explore. And I I, yeah. I talked to my husband and and our family prayed about it and we sat. And and I'll tell you, what really um was the deciding factor for me is with my HR experience, right? You get you 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 have the fish you want on the hook. And you like you're pressuring them. All right, come on, Nate, you gotta tell me tomorrow. You want the job or not, you gotta tell me tomorrow. And, 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 Dr., um, and Father Giao actually called me, um, offered me the position and gave me two weeks to think about it. And I said, "Who does that?" Mm. And so I sat with it and I sat with it, and you know one, one night I woke up at 2: 30 and I said to my husband, "I'm, I'm going to take the job." and he said, "Why?" And I said, "All I've ever really wanted to do is make a difference." And so this is my opportunity to do that, right? We know about 92% of Fortune 500 companies are still run by white men, and we are a predominantly white environment. And I said, this is my opportunity to change the game. I know the product, right, from a, from a corporate standpoint. I know the product. I know how, uh, how, how successful uh, and effective their alumni are. And if I can get these boys in this space to internalize the value of DEI and see it as less threatening, that's a game changer. But beyond that, this is a fantastic environment with networks uh, that, that, you know, people you hear about on TV, like, but, but to get there and to sit in it, you know, my position then was, I need some little black and brown boys to get this. I need them to have this and I need to support them in this space. And I need to encourage them in their ethnic identity. And and they need to understand that it's okay and you're valued and you're loved. And so, um, I accepted the position three years ago and, and, and here we are.
0: Oh, wow. What wow. a, what a wonderful testimony. I mean, inspired, yeah. but it's exactly. so inspired. Um, and, 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 and and this is all I've ever gotten in every conversation I've had with you. And so uh, um, it really it is, I'll go back to the saying that just, just really honored um, to know you and to have you today in our space. I, I, I love how much you talked about how the work interweaves with uh, who you are and, and to whom you are, your family, um, to the community and things of that sort. I wonder if you might take a moment. And, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the intersection, particularly the intersection of doing this work for you as a a black woman, um, how that informs your work, um, how does that experience or that lens um, help you um, navigate, you know, the space, both obviously, um, where do you think it is, um, you know, a benefit, an additive to the work and, and where have you seen, you know, or had some pain around that part of your identity, um, and doing this work?
2: I think what's first and foremost, knowing whose I am is, has been helpful to me, right? Sitting in that space, recognizing and believing the word of God, um, and, and, and that I'm creating it, it in his image, um, is comforting to me. And that is, that is part of my identity that I won't relinquish to anyone. Right. So, so sitting in this space also, you know, this, 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 obligation as a representative of the uh, uh the, the the bearer of civilization like it's important that that i stand in this space um for a variety of reasons i think the 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 first thing is um i feel a responsibility to to bring people together uh, i i am an only child and i i was i'm, I'm blessed to have you know, uh, to be 29 (laughs) and have, you know, (laughs) two, two living parents, um, at my age, um, who are both, uh, vibrant and extremely supportive. Um, but I'm an only child. And so this sense of equity is part of who I am. Right. And maybe, and, and maybe equity isn't even the appropriate word because when you're an only child, everything is yours, right? The love is yours. The toys are yours the room is yours. The bathroom is yours. Like everything, um, is yours. But, uh, but my parents raised me to, to, to understand, uh, that I've had some privileges and and there've been folks who have invested in me and I have a responsibility to give back. Um, what doctor, Dr. Dr. Conway Turner is a, is a mentor of mine. She's the president now at Buffalo state, uh, in, in Buffalo, New York. Um, I remember finishing my, my doctoral program. I was 27 years old and I'm finishing. And I remember saying to her, like, how will I ever repay you um, for your support and your love and your encouragement, you know, and you allowing me to to vent. And, and all she ever asked is that I position myself so that I could help someone else. And so every day I go to work, I am repaying uh, Dr. Conway Turner, who was a phenomenal uh, woman. If you ever have a, a chance to encounter her, please do that. So there's this sense that I that I need to give back, and 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 equity is important. And so you know we all know that there's a difference between equality, right? Which is how I think we try uh, to deliver DEI um, which, you know, uh, continues to advantage, you know, a group of folks while disadvantaging another group of folks. Right. So this sense of equity and wanting to make sure that, you know, kind of from that Ignatian spirituality space, we are meeting people where they are and giving them what they need to be successful. So I think, you know, from, from, from that particular perspective, there's this commitment. Certainly, uh, Understanding historically the plight of, of folks who look like us is important and helping others understand that. So, you know, one of the, the treasures of my of my day, a couple days a week, is I'm, I'm teaching an African-American history course at St. Ignatius High School, um, and it is a phenomenal experience. And what I am realizing is that our educational system has failed us uh in, in one way that I believe to be most egregious, and that is it has not connected the dots for us. And it's allowed us to think about things in a very singular manner. And so what that means is you think about the murder of George Floyd without thinking about, you know, the the prior events and how we got here, right? And so to so my students have a breadth of knowledge, you know. Um, I was surprised to hear that I had a few kids in class who thought Rosa Parks just really did get tired and sit down, right? (laughs) They they didn't realize this was an organized kind of movement, right? They are are surprised to hear that the Civil Rights Movement, 64 and 65, it's not the first time, that there was one in 1866, and we're still trying to get this right. Amen. Right. So right. so sitting in that space in a very diverse class, because it, and I think the community thought, you know, all the black kids who like her will show up, sign up for her class. But there are white kids in my class. Right. It is it is probably Amen. in in moment uh, one of the most diverse spaces we have on campus, because I have students in that space who are, you know, black and brown and, 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 and white and and. Uh, and and uh, Catholic and non-Catholic and secure in their cultural identities and not so secure and, you know, secure in their orientation and not so, you know, uh, so, it, it, so it's a very diverse space. And so what comes out of that when students are encouraged not to regurgitate what I've asked them to read, but when I ask them to think independently and begin to engage in some social analysis, then it, it's a phenomenal space, right? So when we talk about where you know African Americans are today, and you go all the way back to slavery, and I and I said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have these conversations, and now you're gonna see how everything continues, uh, if you will, to to loop back. And so every time there's this sense that this group of people has gotten a foothold, something happens. That undercuts mm-hmm. it, and so that that is that is where this sense comes f- comes from, that this group has been marginalized. So you know, equity and this this education piece, and then advocacy is just, you know, it's who I am. Uh, I, I I need to be in the space where I can advocate for folks who are marginalized. Uh, that's and and that's some of that only child again, coming out. So I need to, I need to advocate. Um, and, and, and as a black woman, uh, it's huge. Like I'm a daughter of a black man. I'm a wife of a black man, a mother of a black son and a black daughter and, you know, black grandparents. And, and so, you know, understanding the impact that racism has on our community, um, Some days can be extremely heavy, but it's a responsibility that I feel uh, to my community because I've been so blessed. I mean, I'm here uh, on a podcast and I don't know how many people will listen to this, but if, if there's an opportunity um, to, to, to advocate and educate and bring people together, you know, I've, as as a black woman, I I feel a responsibility to do that. Um, And uh, you know, there's, there's also this, um, this strong desire to just protect and 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 uplift Black men, and so I love sitting mm-hmm. in this space. I also feel like I have a responsibility uh, to partner with them in this work, um, and and collaborate to elevate one another's voices. So um, yeah, it's a lot. I, I I love this space. I'm passionate about the space. Um, I love where I'm doing it and, and who I'm doing it, it for. And, um, there's, there's been a lot of personal growth for me in this space, not so much professional growth, because honestly, there's not anything I'm doing in this space that I haven't done other places, but certainly in a faith-based institution, doing this work there is far different than, than in a secular world.
0: Awesome, what a, what again, what a, what a, an amazing, um, testimony. So we're going to take a quick break and, uh, when we come back, we're going to continue to, uh, to, to sit at the, at the, at the nexus of, of the wisdom that, 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 uh, Dr. Uh, Deberall is sharing with us. Um, and so please stay with us and we'll come right back from our break.
1: Join the Ignatian Solidarity Network in New York City or via live stream. On Wednesday, April 27th, for Ignite, a celebration of justice. We'll be honoring Father Brian Massengale, racial justice scholar, and Marie Dennis, international peace advocate, with the Robert M. Holstein Faith Doing Justice Award for their years of work to build a more just and equitable world. Hear from these honorees and more while uplifting and supporting the work of the Ignatian Solidarity Network. Tickets, sponsorship opportunities, and more information are available at IgSol. Dot net forward slash ignite that's i g s o l dot net forward slash ignite we hope to see you there all right and we're back um, with just conversations uh with our special guest dr deborah richardson phillips um dr deborah we certainly appreciate all the knowledge you dropped in the last segment and and if i could i'd like to just pick up on something you were sharing uh as you are well aware there's um as we do this work there are those that would uh underscore in fact i think that all of us would underscore the importance of meeting people where they are in this work uh we've all been raised differently we've all had different experiences um and so it, it is entirely plausible for people to come to this work uh and be in two different places on the on the continuum absolutely um but given that we are in the post-George Floyd era and Jamal and I have talked extensively about this period, the importance of this of this moment uh, in which we currently live, about the balance between um, meeting people where they are and providing grace and mercy. But at the same time, there having to be the need uh, for accountability as well. For sure. And so I'm just wondering if in your work and in, in your vast experience... Uh, you can talk about uh, that balance, how we might achieve it, uh, perhaps the challenges in achieving it. Um, anything you could share about that would be greatly appreciated
2: sure, I think the, the this idea of meeting people where they are is a very interesting concept, right Because I don't believe you can give me what you don't have right so if if I'm in a space and you're in a totally different space and it, as it relates to knowledge or experience, you may or may not even be able to relate. To who I am, so that's that. That's the first thing, which is why I really talk a lot about the importance of cultural competence and understanding the cultural nuances of one another. Because you know, even even as we think about communication, you know, that's that whole that whole communication game where it starts at one end and by the time it gets to the other end, mm-hmm. it's a totally mm-hmm. different message, right? So it, it's important that we do that, but I think it's also important that we recognize kind of the 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 urgency of the moment. Right, and so we talk about this this post George Floyd. I I wonder how long will this commitment to activism mm-hmm. really, to, really last? Right, it's hot right now, mm-hmm. but it how is. long will this yeah. last? Is it going to wane? And so, you know, there are folks who say, yeah, we you, you know, there needs to be some forgiveness and some there needs to be some grace, and let's talk about restorative justice practices. And we want to go through all of that. Those things I believe are intended. To, um, to coddle the offender. Mm.
0: Mm.
2: Mm. Right, but mm. but when we sure. start talking about the impact of your actions, sometimes we have a difficult time holding people accountable, mm. and that speaks volumes about the value that I bring to the table people who look like me bring to the table and you're consistently saying, we want to do this work. You need to be patient. You know, it's going to be another five years. Well, when you add this five years onto 455 years, right, you get a group of people who are exhausted, who have been experiencing racism on an individual and systemic level, all of their lives. And, and it's a heavy burden. And so I think that, you know, we've got to hold people accountable, for their actions and you are responsible for what, you know, and uh, I, I think it's time we educate folks so that we can really make some progress in this work.
0: Mm, I think um, that's excellent to answer. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm um, thinking, um, I know we kind of had an idea of the next question, but I would, I, I, I'm moved by what you said about being exhausted. So my question uh, to you, Deborah, would be given that, and uh, you know, all three of us being in this work, how do you fill your bucket? How do you, how do you, um, what do you do? What practices do you engage in that help you um, kind of re-energize yourself, fill your bucket to kind of get back in the fight? Like one of our previous segments and episodes was, you know, stay and engage. Um, and we all know the burden of doing this work, particularly as black folks. Uh, what are some of the things that you do to help you um, keep the fire burning, um, keep you a whole so you could be your best selves in some of these, in some of these spaces?
2: I surround myself with people who love me as much as I love them. Um, I have great colleagues in this work. Um, you know, I, I, I I think about all of the privileges and the blessings I have, I've had in my life. And I think, you know, in in the, in the responsibility I feel to, to our parents and our grandparents and, And, um, I, I feel like, you know, I, I need to take a break. I need to sit down. I need to read. I need to breathe. I need to travel. I need to go back to my HBCU. Winston really fills me up. Mm -hmm. Uh, last month I I went to the CIAA basketball game in, uh, in in Baltimore and I see friends, um, and people from a a simpler, less, um, woke as the kids would say (laughs) space. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, and so, uh, I do those things, but most importantly, um, you know, when, when I have opportunities like this to sit with phenomenal black men who are in this space. Um, and, and I recognize that that while we are in the same pool, my experience is yet different and yet less cumbersome. Sometimes when I look at you and Nate, I, I feel that I, I'm energized because if you all can stay in this fight. Certainly, I can. I can stand beside you. So, um, things like this, podcasts, opportunities to to really share how passionate I am about the work um, energizes me. Being in the classroom with young people, <laughs> I'll tell you, I say at work all the time, I'm far far more patient with with kids than I am with adults, right? I expect them to do, you know, really, I like, I expect kids right. to do things, right. but there are some things that I just don't expect, and it's so disheartening when you see it with adults, but I listen to a lot of jazz and, you know, I I, I love being home. I, I sit on my deck and I just stare off in the space and figure, you know, I, I try to figure out where I'm going next. And that energizes me and I pray. Oh, my gosh, do I pray? I pray a lot. Yeah, I pray for you all. You know, I got a black son in LA. Um, and I know, I mean, he has Jamal's number and he knows Jamal. And I'm like, Nathan, if something happens, call man, Jamal. He can get to you it. before. That's family. He, yo, that's You know, family. he can Amen. get to you before mommy can. So, uh, yes. yeah. but you got, a, you got please, another dude. Nathan he can call. Yeah, I'll pass that on. You got it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, we got it. Yeah, we got it. We got and, him. and it's, it's good friends it. and family fill me up. The people who love me most. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, man. That's uh certainly appreciate that. I'm I'm wondering um in in the time that we have left before we sign off if if I could ask one more question. And I, I don't know if this is um this probably isn't a quick answer, but uh, I know there are people that are going to hear this that have worked uh or are currently working in um as DI practitioners uh at secondary schools or are working in cultural centers uh at some of our Jesuit colleges and universities. And, you know, they're doing the work uh, and are in need of support. One of the first times I heard you speak, uh, Dr. Deborah, you were talking about support and the support that you had that you were grateful for at St. Ignatius. I'm wondering if you could, um, you know, even share a little bit of insight about the importance of support. because I, I know there are people that are going to hear this um, that, that need to sort of focus on that.
2: Sure. So uh, another shout out to, to Father Guilla, who is truly a visionary and who, who said in in this space as president, we've got to commit in a very different way uh, to this work. My board is extremely supportive. I met with a board chair maybe last week, and they're always saying, what can we do to support? What do we we need to do? Give us some talking points. How can we advocate? So certainly, you know, a support at the top leadership, presidential, CEO uh, level, VP level uh, is imperative to move the needle, right? Historically, I think that in this space, we've done programming. Mm. And 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 PWIs and 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 you know white organizations have been satisfied with that because there's not really been a, a huge commitment to it. So do something for during Black History Month and, and do something for MLK. All right, we good. We good. You know, every now and then you'll throw something in for Hispanic heritage, uh, you know, rarely for women's history, but let's just let's just do those things to appease the black and brown folks. In our community, and, and this work is far greater than that, and and I appreciate so much the opportunity to not only be uh, the first uh, vice president African American woman vice president uh, in the Jesuit School Network in the country. So I, I appreciate that space, and I don't take it take it lightly. Um, but if you are A president, if you're a board, if you're on a board, you've got to support the practitioner in this space. You've got to allow them a voice at the table, right? Because, you know, it's, again, that communication game. And I can tell the story to Jamal, and Jamal can tell the story to Nate, and then Nate can tell it to the board. But if Nate is not passionate about it, if Nate doesn't really believe in the necessity of this work, then so much gets lost in translation. and, And this work feels like an option, Rather than you know uh, uh, a, a a commitment, one that's embedded in your mission. If you can't lift this work out of your mission, then you're gonna have a difficult time in many spaces moving it forward. And if it is in your mission, then shame on you if you don't support this work. I took this job because I believe in this mission and we're talking about social justice and i mean so much so and and this is for a whole nother segment that like you know i i i have i have been on faith journeys all my life as as a result of my relationship with other people right so i grew up baptist and you know in my house if you didn't go to church on sunday you couldn't do anything you were sick you couldn't go to football game track meet you couldn't go skating <laughs> skating on saturdays so there was this commitment Uh, to doing that and doing it well, to to please my family. And then I went to college and I did it because I wanted my parents to come visit and then go to church. And then people introduced themselves to me so they knew I hadn't been there. And then I started going to a Presbyterian church because I (laughs) love my husband and his mother invited me to go to church. And so I started going to a Mm -hmm. Presbyterian church and, you know, I was really engaged and our children really engaged and active there. And then I found myself in this space, and I'll be honest, it started with intellectual curiosity because I'm trying to learn more about Ignatian spirituality. I'm trying to learn more about Catholicism, and people are having a difficult time articulating it to me in a way that really made sense. And so, I I, I mean, it awakened uh, my curiosity, and I said, how do you get 1.6 billion people to follow something they can't even explain? Like, what is that? Right. And so as I began to really kind of kind of dive into this work, um, you know, I I found that, you know, it was something that I wholeheartedly The tenets of it are something that that connected to my core, which is why, you know, again, you have to support this work if it's part of your mission, like social justice and 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 dignity and rights and responsibilities and solidarity, like how can you not uplift that in your community for everyone, right? How do you not explore in our space? How, true, what it truly means, what cure personalities truly means, how you care for us all. And so the support, uh, it's imperative. If not, you know, you are disingenuous to your community. You, you've got to support the folks. That's why you get so much burnout. That's why we, you know, we stay in this work for short periods and we move on and there's this ebb and flow of going and coming back, um, you know, but, but if you've got a, a DEI practitioner, you have to support that person in this space. Not only their professional development, right, but you've got to support their personal growth, right? They are sitting in a space, and I say this from time to time in my space, I am sitting here fighting for a right that should already be ours, And the flip side of that is on occasion, I am called to stand in for and advocate for a system that has some racism built into it systemically. And I'm the person of color standing up for it. So I need you to back me up. I I need you to support me in this space because I'm supporting you. I stand up every day and tell people of color, people who look like me, who have experienced, had different experiences with you, that you're not racist right that there's some cultural competency challenges here, but then when I ask you to do so i'm 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 out there, you know I'm all out there, but when I ask you to do something minimal right, right. Amen. you right. can't support me in this space, you don't see the relevance of it or the importance of it i mean we've gotta we've gotta align that work we've i mean without it, you're just buying time and paying somebody, our students deserve world deserve. More, The world deserves more. And you know what? I, you know, I think, you know, I think that the true, what I'm coming to understand, and I just, I recently converted, so I'm all over with this and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling in as much as I can, but the Catholic faith deserves to be truly actualized right we spend so much time looking at the people and their behavior mm-hmm. and not what the word of god says and so you stand on that and there's no way you cannot support this work just 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 pull out catholic social teaching and it tells you everything you need to know and so you know I, I, you've got to support it and 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 if you don't um i mean there's a true disconnect and it's one that i think rather than bringing people closer to christ pushes people away because we seem hypocritical uh and uh i'm all about that true actualization so yeah you you've, you've got to support this work
1: man wow what a wow Deverell, <laughs> yeah we, we could listen to you for for another <laughs> two days up in here like we could man i think we i think we, we have a schedule of um uh, of topics we like to cover, but I think we should just have uh, Doctor Deborah all parts two through seven. <laughs> we'll no, all we, all we definitely through,
0: definitely have you back on behalf of Nate and I. I want to first say we love you. Oh, I love uh, you too. We are we are honored um, that you that you joined us. Um, I want to also speak for uh, DEI practitioners that are my friends, uh, particularly those in the Jesuit world. Um, you are a major beacon of hope. For Thank us, you. in terms of uh, an illuminary, um, that we uh, we uh, I don't want to deify you, but but um, we honestly we we look up um to you, um, your journey as what is possible, and I think oftentimes in new spaces, things that haven't been created for, all of us need kind of a standard to to dream towards. And uh, again, on behalf of of folks like that, um, I want to say thank you uh, because you most certainly resonate like that for us. And um, I'm I'm with Nate. I look forward to having you back. Um, Not just because of our friendship, but because of the wisdom. So um, I'm going to close this by saying thank you all for joining us again at Just Conversations. And a reminder, we want to hear your thoughts, ideas. Um, shoot us an email if you want to connect to us or to, to Deborah. Um, send us a note at just at ignationsolidarity.net. If you'd like to support the work, the work, excuse me, of the Ignatian Solidarity Network, please head over and donate. That link is Ignatiansolidarity.net slash donate. Make sure you find us on iTunes, Spotify, share this conversation, especially this conversation with others in your life particularly those engaged in DEI work and anti-racism work. We look forward to continue to connect with you on this journey. This place of love and growth is for everybody. um, And hopefully um, we continue to be and live like Deborah said, the prophetic words of the Ignatian ideology of, of finding a way to be persons for and with others. And with that, we're signing out. Have a blessed week.